The first mirrors were created almost 200 years ago. Romans believed that mirrors could trap souls and cause bad luck to those who own it. If the mirror was not cared for properly, then it could cause bad things to happen. There are many known superstitions involving mirrors. One of the more known ones is that if a loved one dies in your home, you should cover the mirrors. If you don't, their soul could wander around and get trapped inside of one. They even covered mirrors in the White House when Abraham Lincoln died. Covering mirrors in the home is seen to protect the living and the dead. It is believed that demons are attracted to homes where tragedy has struck and can travel through mirrors. In Chinese culture, many believe that if you carry a corpse past a mirror, they will become a ghost, never to be at peace. Another eerie belief comes from the German Dutch. They believe if you saw your reflection after a loved one passed on, this was an omen that you would be next. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing Bloody Mary, the legend turned game that can kill. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to share a suggestion for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Moving out had been scary, but it was also exciting. Juvia and her friends had been planning this for three years. Juvia had been friends with Gracie and Mia since the sixth grade. They had a bond that withstood each of them eventually moving hours away from each other. The girls had met in Aurora, Missouri but Juvia had moved to Fort Smith, Arkansas during the 8th grade, which is where she met Kai, who instantly fit into their group. Mia moved to Alton, Missouri, which was several hours away from her friends. Gracie was the only one who stayed in Aurora. With the help of Juvia's and Gracie's moms, the girls got to see each other a few times a year, and in between they talked through group chat almost every night. That is how they were able to plan a future where they could all be together. The plan was to move to a location that was somewhere in between each of their homes and rent an apartment. Through many discussions, the girls had finally decided that Northwest Arkansas was somewhat in the middle, and they finally settled on the town of Bentonville. By a turn of luck or stellar planning from her mom, Juvia wasn't sure which, they found a small two-bedroom townhouse. As a gift for her 18th birthday, her mom and dad paid the first three months' rent and, of course, co-signed for the lease. Their furnishings were meager at best, so when Kai found an old mirror leaning against the dumpster a few doors down, the girls thought it was good luck. Juvia hung the mirror over the velvet blue couch that they had found free online. It was their first piece of decoration, and the first thing you laid eyes on when you entered the living room. Gracie immediately hated it. She said even though it was pretty, it gave off bad vibes. Gracie had always claimed to be sensitive to the spirit world, 
Despite her feelings, she was outvoted, and the mirror stayed on the wall until things started to get weird. Juvia was jolted awake by screaming. Tangled in her bedsheet, she stumbled when her feet hit the floor. Steadying herself on the nightstand, she freed her legs from the sheet and noticed that it was exactly 12 a.m., according to her glowing emoji clock. The witching hour, she thought, as a chill ran across her bare skin. She heard voices coming from Mia and Gracie's shared room, and instantly she remembered why she was awake. The door was ajar, so she didn't knock. Mia was sitting on Gracie's bed with her arms wrapped around her. What's wrong? Juvia asked, still a little groggy. Mia shrugged one shoulder and arched her eyebrows. She said she saw someone standing at the foot of her bed. I did, Gracie pleaded. Maybe it was a vivid dream, but I saw it. It was the dark shape of a woman. She was just standing there staring down at me. Her eyes were glowing. She began to sob and buried her head into Mia's shoulder. I believe you, Juvia reassured her. But you are right. It was probably just a dream. How about I get you a glass of water, and then I will make a pallet on the floor and sleep in here with you guys. After that scare, Juvia was relieved not to be alone in her and Kai's shared bedroom. Kai had gone to her parents to get more of her things, but had spent the night because it was late and the drive was long. The next morning, Juvia was up first. Her muscles had begun to ache from sleeping on the hard floor. She was folding her blankets when she heard shuffling coming from the living room. It must have been Kai, back from her parents. Rushing to see if she needed some help, she was shocked to find the living room empty. She thought she must have been hearing someone from a neighboring apartment, but her eyes caught movement as she turned to head back to her room. The mirror was still hanging above the couch, but it was swinging on its hook, just slightly. She stepped over to steady it before it could fall, but noticed smudges that looked like fingerprints covering the edges. Juvia ran to the kitchen to get a paper towel and some window cleaner to wipe the mirror down, but when she returned, the smudges were gone. That's weird, she said to herself as she moved her face closer to get a better look. She was searching the surface carefully for smudges when she noticed someone standing behind her in the reflection. She froze at the sight of a woman in a long black hooded robe staring down at the floor. She was entranced with shock and could not turn her gaze as she watched the woman raise her head to look up at her. Her eyes glowed a reddish-orange color, and before Juvia could react, the woman was right at her back. With a scream, Juvia turned and fell back onto the couch with her eyes clenched shut. She waited, but nothing happened. Finally, summoning up the courage to open her eyes, she found herself alone in the empty room. Mia and Gracie were up by noon. Juvia didn't tell them what had happened. She didn't want to spook Gracie any more than she already was. She did, however, tell Kai when she finally returned later that day. That's scary as hell, but it's cool, Kai said excitedly. What if we have our very own ghost? Kai was really into ghosts and anything supernatural. You may think it's cool, but we can't tell Gracie. She will be so freaked out, Juvia warned. 
Kai agreed, but Juvia was not sure she believed her. The girls worked on the apartment all day, unpacking and decorating, mostly their bedrooms and the kitchen. They didn't have much for the living room yet. When they were finished, they all collapsed side by side on the couch, their only piece of living room furniture. We should celebrate, Mia said unexpectedly. What do you have in mind? Juvia asked. We aren't old enough to buy alcohol, and besides, my mom could drop by and she would kill me. Mia furrowed her brow in deep thought. I know. Let's cook our first dinner together. We can play some games or watch some movies and stay up as late as we want. Okay, Juvia replied, but not too late. I have to work tomorrow and, she said as she nudged Kai in the ribs, some of us have to look for jobs so we can pay the bills. Yay, Mia squealed. Let's all go to the store together. I want to show you guys that I can cook. Grilled cheese and french fries. That's what Mia could cook, but no one complained. Juvia couldn't shake the feeling that they were four little girls pretending to be adults. They had spread a blanket on the living room floor and ate their meal picnic style. She was thinking about how much had changed and wondering what lay ahead when Kai broke her chain of thoughts. Let's play a game, Kai blurted out. I have the perfect one in mind. Gracie took a deep breath. They all knew what kind of games Kai liked to play, the scary kind. You are going to pick a game that scares the hell out of me, aren't you? She asked Kai. Maybe, Kai answered, but this game will make you braver and show you that there is nothing to be afraid of. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Body Art Forms. I am a huge fan of body art, so I was excited when I discovered Body Art Forms, a tiny Texas company that sells body jewelry to people like me. 
They are a small business that have served the pierced and modified community since 2001. I found a wide selection of jewelry on their website, and not just for piercings. When I placed my first order, it took less than a week for it to arrive in the mail, and I was pleased with each piece. Everything came in neat individual packages. Body Art Forms is driven by three major factors. They strive to give the best customer service. They believe in careers and make sure all their employees earn a living wage. 20% of all profits go to charitable causes. At Body Art Forms can be found on all social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest. You can check out their diverse selection at bodyartforms.com. That's B-O-D-Y-A-R-T-F-O-R-M-S dot com. Just enter the coupon code FREAKY at checkout for 15% off any purchase. There is an urban legend that says that anyone who chants the words Bloody Mary three times in front of a mirror will summon a vengeful spirit. This spirit has been reported to do a variety of things to the person who summons her including kill the person, scratching their eyes out, driving them mad, or pulling them into the mirror with the spirit, which is generally referred to as the spirit of a woman, or even a witch. If monsters were real, most of us would choose to avoid them, or so you would think. But for many people, the dangerous thrill of summoning a deadly apparition is the perfect way to spend a Friday night. Not me. I was 13 the first time I heard about Bloody Mary. My first thought was why, but for the love of all things scary, would anyone summon a ghost that's sole purpose is to claw your eyes out? My friends did it at a sleepover, but not me. Oh hell no. I left the room. That was many years ago, and still today the idea terrifies me, and literally gives me chills. The origins of the Bloody Mary urban legend solidifies my opinion that I would rather hear the stories than participate in bringing them to life. There are many versions of how Bloody Mary came about. I picked some of the creepiest to share with you. One version of the story begins in the 1800s with a young girl named Mary. Mary lived in a small village during a time when a mysterious illness swept through the land and caused people to fall ill and die suddenly. A physician would be summoned to the home to check for a pulse, and if none could be found, they would place a mirror beneath the nose to check for condensation. But sometimes, the illness would make the breath of the sick so shallow that no condensation would appear, and the person would be pronounced dead. Cases of people who were pronounced dead, but were not, happened often. Because this became so common, the people of the village designed a plan to ensure that their loved ones were not buried alive. When coffins were built, they would put a small hole through which a string could be run. One end of the string would be attached to the supposed deceased hand, and on the other end attached to a bell. The bell would hang on a stick by the homes of the deceased, and if they woke up, they would simply pull the string, ring the bell, and would be dug up. Young Mary fell ill with a mysterious disease and was bedridden and slowly died, or at least that is what her family thought. Her body was laid in a coffin and put in a grave, but she wasn't to be buried just yet. She lay in the grave for days with the string and bell attached, and then a week passed. 
Her parents never left the house, hoping that their sweet Mary would awaken. Friends began to tell her parents that if Mary was going to awaken, she already would have, and at this point, probably never would. One day, the parents, encouraged by friends, left the house. When they had gone, a neighbor came and filled Mary's grave. The neighbor stood by the grave, said his remorseful words, and then returned home. Not long after, far beneath the ground in the cold earth, Mary awoke from her slumber. She pulled the string, but no one heard, for her parents were still out, and the neighbor was too far away. Mary pulled and pulled until the string broke and the bell and the stick fell. Frantically, she began clawing and scratching the wooden box until her fingers bled. She scratched at the coffin until she finally took her last breath. When her parents arrived home, her father soon realized that the bell was yards away from where it originally hung. He called excitedly for his wife to come and help him dig up their daughter. When they finally uncovered the coffin and opened the lid, they found a horrifying sight. Mary lay in a petrified state, with her hands and white dress covered in blood. They put a mirror under her nose to see if her breath would show, and condensation appeared on the mirror, even though it was too late. Mary was dead. It is said that her spirit attached itself to the mirror that day, and now whenever one calls Bloody Mary three times, she will come out and claw the summoner to shreds. Another version of the Bloody Mary legend took place in the 1860s, and it is about a woman named Mary Worth. The information that can be found on Mary Worth varies as much as the urban legend. In some cases, she was caught practicing black magic and used child sacrifices to maintain her youthful appearance. Some even believed she killed her own children. In another version of the story, she worked the reverse Underground Railroad, where she'd bring slaves under false pretenses to send them back down south to make money. Rumor has it that she also tortured and killed many of them and used them for her rituals in the dark arts. All these stories end basically the same way, with Mary being lynched and hung or burned at the stake for her evil acts. She can be summoned by looking into a mirror and saying her name three times or saying repeatedly, I believe in Mary Worth. One story even says that she left a curse on the villagers and told them that if they ever dared to utter her name in a mirror, she would come back for them to exact her revenge. Even though the most common way for participants to attempt to make her appear is to stand before a mirror, usually in the dark, and repeat her names three times, there are many variations, including chanting more than three times, chanting at midnight, spinning around, rubbing one's eyes, running the water, or chanting her name 13 times with a lit candle. In some versions of the legend, the summoner must say, Bloody Mary, I killed your baby. In these versions, Bloody Mary is often believed to be the spirit of a young mother whose baby was stolen from her, making her mad in grief, eventually committing suicide. In stories where Mary is supposed to have been wrongly accused of killing her children, the summoner might say, I believe in Mary Worth. This is like another game involving the summoning of the Bell Witch in a mirror at midnight. 
The game is often a test of courage and bravery, as it is said that if Bloody Mary is summoned, she would proceed to kill the summoner in an extremely violent way, such as ripping their face off, scratching their eyes out, cutting their head off, driving them insane, bringing them into the mirror with her, or scratching their neck, causing serious injury or death. During the 19th century, it was said that if you walked backward up a staircase in a darkened house at night, passing a mirror as you went, you would see reflected in the mirror one of two things. The face of the person you were destined to marry, or a skull. If the skull appeared, it meant that you were destined to die before you got the chance to marry anyone. Some think that if Bloody Mary doesn't kill the one who had summoned her, then she will haunt them for the rest of their life. Other versions tell that if one chants her name 13 times at midnight into a mirror, she will appear, and the summoner can talk to a deceased person until 12.08 a.m. After, Bloody Mary and the dead person asked to speak to will vanish. Still, other versions say that the summoner must not look directly at Bloody Mary, but at her image in the mirror. She will then reveal the summoner's future, particularly concerning marriage and children. Some have suggested a scientific explanation for the spirit's appearance. It's said that staring into a mirror in low-light conditions for lengthy amounts of time causes our perception of what we're seeing to distort and become monstrous. Perhaps the true monsters are simply reflections of ourselves. When it comes to blood-curdling urban legends, Bloody Mary is one of the scariest, perhaps because the apparition herself is such a mystery. But despite her mysterious nature, She's so popular that it's likely you've found yourself watching a Bloody Mary movie or TV episode at least once in your life. Though she most often appears as a haunting phantom in games at sleepovers, Bloody Mary, whose identity remains a mystery, is also a fixture in horror entertainment. No one knows for sure how or where Bloody Mary originated, but one thing they do agree on is in the right situation, with the right ingredients, anyone can summon her. Who would be in their right mind to summon a murderous ghost? Believe it or not, many have tried and lived to regret that choice. If you still think you want to try summoning Bloody Mary, then first look at many of the popular versions of the legend that can be found on film. On the hit TV series Supernatural, Sam and Dean Winchester have tackled a lot of terrifying urban legends. And it just so happens that Bloody Mary was one of their earliest episodes. The show's version of Bloody Mary was the victim of a heinous crime, known as Mary Worthington when she was still alive. She has the power to travel through all reflective surfaces. She's a vengeful spirit, seeking to carry out justice against those who have committed terrible acts by gouging out their eyes. The Legend of Bloody Mary, a 2008 horror thriller film, gives Bloody Mary a backstory in which she was executed on the grounds of a church in the 17th century. The film's protagonist, Ryan, has a special connection to Mary because his little sister Amy disappeared while playing the Bloody Mary game. Years later, Ryan teams up with a priest from the same church where Mary was executed to vanquish his nightmares once and for all. The sequel to Urban Legend and Urban Legend's Final Cut this film stars Kate Mara as a high school girl who becomes embroiled in the legend of Bloody Mary after a mean-spirited prank. 
In this adaptation, Bloody Mary's backstory makes her a girl who perished trying to escape an assault on the night of her prom. She returns decades later to take revenge on the descendants of the football players involved in her demise. In this story, Bloody Mary is not summoned, and there is no mirror involved. Instead, she is provoked when the teens unknowingly repeat the past with their prank. Bloody Mary serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of narcissism in the two-part season one finale of R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour, the series. After being mutilated in a freak house fire, Mary lingers just on the edges of the mortal plane, waiting for unsuspecting teenagers to summon her so she can steal their faces. Portrayed by Isis Isabella Amarano, this Bloody Mary is the stuff of schoolgirl nightmares, terrifying and hideous. This 2006 film combines the legend of Bloody Mary with a familiar horror backdrop, the psychiatric hospital. After a group of nurses unleash Bloody Mary from her mirrored prison, their patients start turning up lifeless and mutilated, with their eyes torn out. Featuring a performance by the late Corey Monteith, this terrifying film asks the question no one really wants the answer to. What if the legend of Bloody Mary was true? Dead Mary takes place at one of the most familiar locations in horror cinema, the Lakeside Cabin. Nothing about the Bloody Mary legend changed except for its name. After all, if it isn't broke, why fix it? A group of estranged college friends chant Bloody Mary's name three times and summon a vengeful spirit, who possesses each of them in turn, and reveals hidden secrets about the friends, their relationships, and their indiscretions. Universal Studios Florida developed a new variation of the legend, and in 2008, for their annual Halloween Horror Nights event, they brought it to life on stage. In their version of the legend, Mary was a doctor who studied fear by exposing her patients to it. She went on to become more and more twisted until she became the ghost, Bloody Mary. Monsters, ghosts, and demons are popular antagonists in video games, and a few creators have brought Bloody Mary in on the fun. You can find her as one of the toughest bosses in the 1995 Super Nintendo System Japanese role-playing game Terranigma. The game tells the story of the Earth's resurrection at the hands of a boy named Ark, and its progress from the evolution of life to present day. The game bosses offer a mild challenge at best, leaving the player nearly begging for a challenge. Bloody Mary resides in a dungeon in the Sylvan Castle, where the protagonist must battle her to move forward. Since 1995, Bloody Mary has been used as the villain in a few other games, but most recently in 2021. A new variation of the legend made its way into the video game Rogue Lords. In this version, she's a young bride who was murdered the day after her wedding and revived by the devil as a vengeful ghost who delights in bloodshed. She displays a playful, childlike personality and uses mirror-themed abilities, including placing a floating mirror behind her adversaries to replicate every attack through it. These games are obviously no match for the real Bloody Mary game. If you try to summon Bloody Mary in real life, you do it purely for the challenge of surviving the encounter. There are no guaranteed ways to dispel Bloody Mary once she has been summoned, although various methods have been suggested. Some say that you should draw a cross on the mirror with soap for three nights following the completion of the ritual. 
others recommend burning sage in the playing space or flicking vinegar in the four corners of the room. You may, of course, try these methods, but don't expect them to work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Help me get this mirror down. We will need it for the game, Kai ordered. Mia, would you go get a chair from the kitchen? We need something to stand it on. I have a bad feeling about this, Gracie groaned. Mia brought back a wooden straight-backed kitchen chair, and Kai positioned the mirror safely on it. It was the perfect level for them to look into it while sitting on the couch. We are going to play Bloody Mary. Have any of you ever played it before? She looked to each of them as she asked. The girls shook their heads. Kai proceeded to explain the game to them. There are many opinions about who Bloody Mary was, but my favorite is the version where she is a witch. She had lowered her voice now for creepy effect. She was caught killing and drinking the blood of children. When she was caught, there were more than 30 bodies buried in the backyard and one still laying on the table in her kitchen. The villagers drug her to the center of town and tied her to a stake and burned her alive. To make sure she was dead, they held a mirror up to her mouth and nose to see if she was breathing, and they say that her spirit entered the mirror. If you say her name three times while staring into the mirror, she may appear. If she does, all you have to do is turn on the lights and say, Bloody Mary, I am free of you, and she will disappear. Gracie spoke up first. I am not doing this unless you go first, Kai. Juvia and Mia nodded in unison. Yeah, it's your idea, so you show us how brave you are, Juvia said. Kai just smiled. Okay, it's not my first time, but I will go first. Kai carefully pulled the chair and the mirror until it was positioned directly in front of her. She took a deep breath and began. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. The girls sat for what seemed like forever in silence, but suddenly they heard glass shatter in the kitchen. All four of them jumped at once and grabbed onto each other. Kai began to giggle. See, I told you it would be okay. The point is that it will make you brave. Yeah, well I'm going to go see what broke, Juvia grumbled as she got up to head to the kitchen. Me too, Mia exclaimed. You guys aren't leaving me, said Gracie as she grabbed Mia by the elbow. Juvia headed towards the kitchen with Mia and Gracie hanging on to her shirt tail. Looking around the room, they didn't see anything at first, but then Mia saw it. The dome that covered the kitchen light had crashed to the floor and shattered. Together, Juvia and Mia began to pick up the pieces of broken glass, while Gracie turned to get the broom and dustpan from the utility closet. You guys, come here, 
You really need to see this, they heard Kai yell from the living room. It can wait, Juvia was saying as they heard choking and then a thump come from the living room. The girls dropped the glass and the broom and ran back into the living room. Kai was laying in the floor, holding her throat. This isn't funny, Kai, Juvia barked, but she stopped when she saw the tears rolling down Kai's cheeks. Bending down, she reached for Kai's hand, but when she pulled the girl's hand from her throat, her breath caught. There were angry red marks all around her neck. I saw her, Kai choked. She grabbed me. The next few hours were tense to say the least. Mia had grabbed her laptop and began searching for ways to get rid of the specter that they were all sure had been real. They came up with a plan, and it was a simple one. They decided to take the mirror back to the dumpster where they found it. Juvia and Mia carried it downstairs together, while Gracie got some sage from a bag in one of Kai's boxes. Together, the girls, all four, walked through the apartment burning the sage and chanting something they had found online. It went like this. I command any negativity, any low vibrational energy, and non-benevolent beings within this space to leave and go to the light. You are not welcome here. I command you to leave and go to the light. Morning didn't come quick enough. None of the girls could sleep. They stayed up and watched anime and chick flicks, trying to lighten their spirits. Right before dawn, they one by one went to bed, except for Juvia. She fell asleep on the couch. Tossing and turning on the couch, she could hear laughter through the thin veil of sleep, and slowly it pulled her into wakefulness. Rubbing her eyes, she looked around the room and saw that she was alone. Juvia yawned and leaned her head back on the couch arm. That's when she saw it. Hanging above the couch, just over her, was the mirror hanging right where it was before. Paralyzed with fear, she stared at the mirror and watched as a bony gray hand began to slide out, followed by another. Juvia couldn't move. She couldn't even take a breath to scream. All she could do is watch as the witch slowly crawled out. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror and Tales from the Break Room. If you would like to submit a suggestion for a future episode, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as we talk about the Nixie, a shape-shifting water spirit of Germanic and Nordic folklore that wants to lure you to a watery grave. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 